And if we lose the arts, we lose our culture, we lose the essence of a national identity in many ways. That's where we all stand. This is our Connect special edition on how COVID-19 is affecting the art world around South Asia. Hi there, welcome to Art Connect. I'm your host, Yipei. And I'm Annalie. So today in the first episode, we will first take a look at the COVID-19 situation in Taiwan. Uh, since the first outbreak of COVID-19 in January, the Taiwanese government has quickly controlled the borders and taken all kinds of inspections and preventive measures to control the transmission in the country. So as of today, September 9th, there are a total of 495 confirmed cases and 7 deaths. So I feel like right now in Taiwan, things are mostly back to normal, except for that we still need to wear a mask every time when we go out and try to keep social distancing with others. But there's not the same in many cities in Southeast Asia region. Many countries are still struggling with increasing cases and the overloaded health systems in these very tough times. Yeah, that's true. That's also the reason why we are doing this podcast. So uh, today we are going to have our first guest from Bamboo Curtain Studio, which is an alternative space for artist residency in Taipei. Yeah, I guess we should introduce a little bit about the Bamboo Curtain Studio to our listener first. Uh, right. Uh, Bamboo Curtain Studio is one of the most important alternative art spaces in Taiwan since the 1980s until today. It has hosted many creative events, cross-cultural exchange programs, and empowered many Taiwanese young artists and introduced a lot of foreign artists to the art scene in Taiwan. Correct. Um, moreover, Bamboo Curtain Studio also pays attention to the collaboration with Southeast Asian for several events. Maybe, as you know, such as Jakarta Biennale, residency programs in Chemati Art House from Jungja, 90AB in Manila, and Bangkok Art and Culture Center, and so on. Yeah, this year also marks the 25th anniversary of Bamboo Curtain Studio, and today we are very happy to have Margaret, the founder of Bamboo Curtain Studio, to share with us how an alternative space for artist residency is responding to this pandemic. So let's welcome Margaret. Hi everyone, it's so good to see everybody on air. We can't see each other face to face, but we can at least do this voice to voice. So Margaret, can you tell us a little bit more about when did you found the Bamboo Curtain Studio and what has inspired you to create such an art platform for young artists? Well, it's a long story. It's about 30 years ago when I, at middle age, decided to be an artist. And the only way to be an artist at that age is I go back to art school or mingle with artists. And I chose the second one, and that is to mingle with artists. And I mean contemporary artists, the younger artists. And that's when I realized they do not have a hub, and they definitely do not have a place for experimentation. And that's when I realized we can look for, as I have seen internationally, alternative spaces, derelicts, and abandoned spaces as 
something we can try to do without having to wait for permission from museums or galleries. And that is how Bamboo Curtain Studio was started. Wow, so that、uh, Bamboo Curtain Studio has been an incubator to artists in Taiwan and many for foreign artists coming to Taiwan many years. And it has been collaborating with many artist groups, both、uh, domestically and internationally, in the contemporary art. So, Margaret, from the, your perspective, what's the changes to that you seen from the nineties till today? I would say there's a lot of changes in the last thirty years, especially in the nineties, where there are a lot of dynamic、uh, need of、uh, new expression. And open towards international contemporary methodology, and that is where it is about connecting internationally to contemporary、uh, strategies, and that is where I think、um, we have been starting、uh, to do things so that we can support artists that need to be aware. Locally and internationally, by giving them information, and later by giving them opportunity, even, and also, I say, it should not be one way; it should be both ways. We have to collect data internationally, transcribe it into Chinese, and give it to them to the local media. Imagine those days; we do not have anything like. Internet, so publications and research. This is what we were famous for、uh, before the millennium. Wow, that is really different from the art landscape and the media scape nowadays. And、uh, I was wondering, what is your insight to the art thing nowadays in Taiwan? But now I would say things have changed. The internet completely changed the possibility, and the mobile phone completely changed. The need of such information, but I do not see that it is obsolete. The concept is still important. The concept is valid. The concept is that you have to connect and understand what's happening to the rest of the world, and the rest of the world should know what's happening in Taiwan. Yeah, technology has already become an important force pushing the art world forwards. And right now, it's actually kind of hard to imagine what the art world will become without technology. And especially, the art world has been drastically hit by the COVID nineteen. We can see a lot of exhibitions, talks, performances are moving online.、Um, Margaret, could you tell us how you are personally affected by the virus, and also how Bamboo Curtain Studio is affected? Oh my God. That is such a painful question.、Uh, I'm sure it's the same for everybody that's listening to us.、Um, it affects us personally, especially me. I thought I've got it、uh, in spring. I really think I'm gonna be in the hospital.、Uh, but the more direct impact to the arts community is the art industry. The culture consumption is down to zero. And mobility has totally stopped, even though Taipei have not really locked down. But then, you have to remember, by now, we are into the point that we 
are famous for international exchange where annually I receive about 20 something international artists coming in and I send out at least uh, 10 to 15 Taiwanese artists to international exchanges. So it is very difficult what to face with all these uh, residency spaces that I have. And I tell you frankly, to this very day, it is still empty. So, but on the other hand, I think in Taiwan, we are lucky. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we are not seriously hit. And if you say we, ha we are very aware, everybody wear face mask. And, but then by now, we're talking about September now, it's about five months later. I would say we're back to pretty much normal life. Mm, culture events are happening again. Masks are required. And uh, you have to really have your ID card scanned before you can join any event. And uh, then much more activity going on uh, in Taiwan again. Right. Uh, the Taiwanese government and all the frontliners in this battle with COVID-19 are really working hard to keep the country safe. Uh, I was wondering, aside from fighting with the virus, did the government give any kind of support to help the art community to get through this period of time? I would say the Ministry of Culture immediately, thanks to our very conscientious and aware minister, connected with the interior minister and said, you have to give me budget so that to save the arts. The arts are the last one to be supported when you are under risk economically. So the artists are the one that will lose out. And if we lose the arts, we lose our culture, we lose the essence of a national identity in many ways. That's where we all stand. And I think I'm happy the Ministry of Culture not only say support the local artists, they also approach us and say, we are going to support not to stop international exchange. We must find a way to continue, but in a new way. And I am glad the Ministry of Culture permitted us to have such good ways to operate and continue. Yeah, since people cannot travel abroad these days, and many international artists, they cannot come to Taiwan, uh, a lot of cultural activities are actually blooming in Taiwan. So many of the Taiwanese audiences right now, they are turning to see the works by the Taiwanese artists. Um, I feel like, uh, on the other hand, it's also a positive way to look at it because more people can get to appreciate Taiwanese artworks and performances. Yeah, I totally agree that Margaret mentioned before. Uh, in Taiwan, we are so lucky the government relief package like Ministry of Culture helps us a lot uh, and helps a lot of independent art workers. Even though the cultural consumption is done, but we still can get some compensation from the government to help. So Margaret found your observation, what's the impact of the COVID-19 in Taiwan? And on the other hand, once if the COVID-19 and the outbreak of the pandemic returned in the next season, the, for the alternative art space like you, how should we 
to prevent? Uh, I cannot say more than thank you, thank you, and thank you again to our Ministry of Culture and to local government uh, in the uh, culture bureaus. They fully are aware that culture sector is at risk and culture tourism is being encouraged. Uh, all citizens are encouraged to uh, subsidize their travel, to travel internally. And for one, I myself, I said I benefit from it. I am so busy traveling internationally to so many conferences. It's about time I travel internally and really understand the local culture and really understand the off islands and especially our indigenous culture. And I think it is a real incentive for what I always said, know thy neighbor, know who is living amongst you first, those that are closest to you. And instead of going to Paris and London, I have always said it is when you are secure in your own base first. And I think uh, this is where uh, the government has done that. But for alternative spaces like Bamboo Curtain Studio, I have to reinvent myself. And many other organizations, like we have the Association of Taiwan Art Spaces, we are also discussing all the time how to find a way to support especially smaller less international alternative spaces away from the capital. And that's very difficult. And this is where uh, it is a difficult uh, choice when you have to promise the Ministry of Culture that you will not lay off your staff and that they will give you some kind of subsidy. And I yeah. see it's very difficult. But on the other hand, we have the Association for Artists uh, we have a union for artists, and the union is helping culture workers to be able to apply for at least a subsidy for three months, minimum subsidy. We're talking about thirty dollars uh, a day, uh, and uh, oh, no, even less. I said three hundred dollars a month is something that helps you to continue, and this is where I think it is relevant, and the yeah. package really helps. Yeah, in the first season of the coronavirus outbreak, we are seeing a lot of festivals, performances, and those, all those big gatherings were cancelled or postponed. And uh, a lot of artists and cultural workers were affected very much. And we are also seeing some corporations and institutions laying off their staffs. Um, maybe it's not that serious compared to other countries, but still, a lot of institutions, they are suffering a lot as well because they cannot have audiences enter the museums or to see the concerts or theatres. So Margaret, uh, I was wondering, uh, does Bamboo Curtain Studio initiate any art actions in response to the pandemic? Uh, well, it is. it was tough for us in spring when I felt that this is pretty much the end of things. But Bamboo Curtain Studio have seen many storms, and I feel we shouldn't give up. Uh, we shouldn't just wait for things to roll over because we were told uh, this pandemic is getting like wildfire, and uh, it is not easy. And when I realized, when I postponed all the artists' travel, 
out inbound and outbound by one year. That's even not realistic. And that's when I have a sort of a deep discussion with the government uh, authorities and said, we have to be prepared. Uh, is there a new way that you permit us to keep international exchange going in a new format? And that we must connect and let them know uh, and be able to be there, uh, if not in real, but some way to support each other and not lose the connections that we have built up in the last 10, 20 years. And it would be such a loss. And this is where uh, I feel uh, I am glad that we have uh, mutual understanding. And uh, we continue to do more research and start asking, and at least to our close neighbors in Southeast Asia, especially where we have connected for more than 10 years, to be able to ask them, how are you? What's happening? I know things are not good in India. And it is pretty much a disaster in Indonesia and Philippines where everybody is in such severe lockdown. But how do they carry on their day to day? And then how about capitals like Singapore? You would think that they know how to handle this, but that's really not so. And how's everyday life in Bangkok now? And this is where we use our personal one-on-one -on -one email, Skype, whichever format on a personal basis and be aware and be able to inform the government that we need to show a hand that we care about what's happening and that we can still keep the connection going. Yes, totally. At this moment, we are all very restricted to travel and we are unable to get the first-hand updates from other countries. So I really agree with what Margaret was saying, is that we should keep this connection going and in a neat way. And I also knew that uh, Ben Bukhart and Studio not only kept in touch with our South Asian friends, but also initiated a webinar with Latin American artists. So Margaret, what kind of role does Ben Bukhart and Studio play as a cultural organization during this pandemic? Oh, I say in the last two months, uh, I found that the global network of uh, communication just absolutely woke up. That in the same way, I received so many international uh, invitation to join into live Zoom. And uh, that's when I realized this is really amazing. Instead of having to travel internationally for conferences, which I have to be doing pretty much about five to eight times a year, I see more people in real faces on my computer and hear them even better. Uh, and they are, we are all not talking about concepts and programs and uh, much more focus on How's everybody? How's your local situation? What is happening in Latin America? What's happening in, in North America, in the city, in New York City? And what's happening in the countryside? And definitely what's happening all over in Europe. And I think all of a sudden you realize it is really a global village. It can be up to 30 people all around this little Zoom chat. And you realize 
there is a brand new way. There is a brand new system that we can use and be able to care and connect with each other. And that's when I also realized, no, as artists, we can even more important is to realize our connection, not just to the developed countries, but more important to other countries that we are not familiar with, to other regions that we're not familiar with. And in the last year, Bamboo Garden Studio have proposed to travel to Latin America. As you all know, Bamboo Garden Studio is famous by now, internationally, in the last 10 years, of promoting the use of art and sustainability in environment. And we care very much what's happening in Brazil with the Amazon. And that's when the Green Art Lab Alliance globally, in this big Zoom connect, we realize what's happening in Africa, what's happening in Europe, and what's happening environmentally in Latin America. And I think it is a wake-up call. And that's when I immediately told the government, could I have a chance to be able to speak to people in Latin America, to people that we originally wanted to have an exchange in residency with them. And this is where we discussed with our counterparts and we found a way to be able to understand what's happening in four countries in Latin America, in Mexico, in Guatemala, in Chile, and in Brazil. And this is where we use live stream and really be able to post it up on YouTube and then be able to understand face to face, to see a real face and hear it from them, what's happening with images and you'll be surprised when you see the images that's happening in Latin America. It is pretty painful, where bodies are laid down like piles outside your doorway. And uh, this is where you realize the inequality, the suffering of the people that you think and wake up what is the role of art right now and what are those artists doing. And I hope all of you would also have time to go and listen to our live stream. We will be putting up on YouTube. Yeah, Margaret, I was uh, so touched by the live stream. Since now we cannot travel easily at the moment, but through the live stream, um, there is a new way for us to understand each other. And there is the new way to see how the environment has been changed so much in Amazon, in the environmental. Um, and I, as we all know that we are relying on the technology so much, the emerging technologies such as AR, VR, or online tools are driving the boom of the art market and the world. It's especially crucial to connect people together and extend our exchange and extend our knowledge and imagination. Um, do you have the further insights for us to use the technology during the crisis? Oh, I do. In fact, uh, I would say um, for somebody, an old lady like me, to be able to understand the process and the difficulty of the arts community getting used to live stream uh, 
and the uh, requirements. It is an experience. It is something we have to realize. To use uh, data, to use technology, the next big challenge for us is how to use uh, this tool, these new tools of AR and VR to connect and so that we feel we are virtually in another country and to have a local counterpart to do that support for us so that instead of face-to-face -face exchange is there a better way with conversation on internet, on YouTube, on conversations to let everybody know what is happening in your part of the world and jointly find a system that we can co-create and be able to not just networking but to be able to working collectively into the use of technology for a new art form and especially dear to my heart would be the new way of social engagement and for sustainable environment. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I just come up with my mind that um, we are all in between in the adoption of the new technology or innovation, and which the at the moment it helps us to find more way to communicate with each other virtually. Um, so another question I would like to ask Margaret is that uh, it seems that this pandemic doesn't slow down its pace. Uh, the confirmed cases are still rising every day overseas. So it's still going to take a long time for the world to like fully recover from it. And I think like uh, during times like this, art and culture are essential to the recovery of the city and people's life from the crisis. So in your opinion, what... Can art be the help under this pandemic? I would say this is what I have been saying all along in the last 20 years to civil servants and to business sector, that art and culture is essential for a civic society. And it is essential to have a harmonious development and also in the final analysis, it is essential for economic development. Remember, Margaret's background is in economic policy, development policy on the national level. That was before I became an artist. But I am always telling the government that if you have art inclusive into every sector of the city and the countryside, you will have much more creative way to solve problem out of the box and to be able to be able to find uh, new solutions, especially right now. You must find new solutions. And I think it will really help if you look at what's happening in Latin America, for example, how artists are supporting COVID-19 how artists are also joining the act of the civilians to tell them, the government, you're not doing it right, but in the form of artwork. And you can see in London, that's a so-called exchange rebellion using artists' movement in a very creative way to let the government understand about 
climate change. So art has a way, especially in the city. It can be a very loud voice to the government, to the people, and also to the businesses, but in the form of creative solution. I, I agree that um, the art now become the new solution of everywhere in every industry, and the world is moving toward to a new normal. Margaret, could you also share with us again that how would you define this new normal in detail in the art scene that happened in Taiwan and Asia? And besides of the spaces, what's your suggestion for the government, for the law, for the finance part, how we can adopt the new normal together? Oh, I really like the word new normal because I learned last time when we were on live stream with Latin America that we have to not only accept the new normal as new normal, but more like we have to understand it is not normal. It is not the new normal. It will never be normal again. It is abnormal. It's not right. But on the other hand, we have to accept the abnormal as a new way to operate our life. So how we can find a way to adjust everybody, not just the artist, everybody in the world. After all, we are all interconnected and COVID-19 tells you we are not divided by national borders. We are not divided by gender. We're not divided by nationality and race. We are interconnected. And this new abnormal means we have to care about each other and how we can support each other in a wider way. The new abnormal in the arts, and I hope and I really sincerely hope that artists that listen to this podcast realize that we have a role to play. We have the role to play, especially to be able to be a voice to the people, to the government and to the business and look at the way that we can support each other to adopt the new abnormal, such as the face mask. I guess a face mask would be the common garment of accessory from now on. And that there must be a system of creative production, creative products, creative but fun and enjoyable way to enjoy art and culture in the local community and be able to use a creative way of technology to understand your neighbors upstairs and downstairs singing together like in Italy or as far as way as across the border and what's happening in your region and internationally. And this is where I think we as artists should not give up. There is a way how to change the system, how to have new rules and regulations that we have not witnessed before and be able to find a better way together. Yeah, creativity really helps. And also having a sense of humor will also help us get through whether this new normal or abnormal. And while COVID-19 has driven many international projects into domestic actions, Margaret, uh, what do you think, how can we uh, sustain the global relationship with the rest of the world? And what's your suggestion to Taiwanese artists or institutions for future collaborations? Uh, this is something we are st still working on. And uh, as I sort of uh, hinted just now previously, but right now, uh, 
we are happy we have the funding and the support uh, to understand what's happening in Latin America, to understand and now also the support to start a survey in Southeast Asia. Uh, and thank you very much for Annalise's uh, outreach to at least 60-odd uh, Asian counterparts in Southeast Asia especially um, to know what's happening. And uh, so that from the returns that we get, we have this podcast, hopefully, to hear from some of you and be able to share what's happening. And this is where we, as a facilitator of this dialogue, and be able to initiate a new prototype, a new possibility. And that I think uh, we have to accept the new abnormal, as I said, uh, but the rest of the world should also understand each other. I myself am a great fan of Asia. I think when I travel internationally in the previous years, I s am very biased. I would try to connect with my counterpart in Asia first and not the most famous whoever speaker of New York and Europe. But I feel this is a time that the inequality of resources between global north and global south should come through. And this is the time the arts in the global north share their resources with the arts in global south. And I hope Taiwan being part of the global north, it's not just a pandemic, it's Globally, we have to be more responsible for our actions for climate change. And I think there must be a new way of collaboration. And I'm not sure, but a future collaboration with technology, a future collaboration with sharing of resources and sharing our culture and learn from each other how we can live sustainably together in one very small world. That's my wish. And I would say, maybe this is a very tall order, and we should all try. So yeah, true. Uh, so I guess uh, everyone of us in the world are doing this try and error at this moment to see how the future will become. So last question, Margaret. What would you like to do first after this pandemic is over? Oh, uh, I, these days I don't even quite dare to think about it. But my sincere wish uh, is to see my immediate family face to face. Uh, we have been on WhatsApp, Zoom call, Skype. It's still, it, the pandemic is going to end with a vaccine that is effective. I might would love to be able to travel, to hold my grandchildren, to be able to meet my senior older brother and to be able to touch my homeland in Hong Kong and see how things are happening with my cousins over there. Now this is where it comes down to the personal level first. And our priority is supposed to be layers of connection. And I think we cannot and should not. We should use this time well to reprioritize what is the meaning of our life now. We have the time now. We never used to. We're always so busy jumping and flying and 
speaking and doing things. But now there is enough time to stop, reconsider what is most important and be able to, if possible, in the near future, touch someone and be able to really show a caring hand. I'm doing things that are really much more meaningful without having to fear the intimacy. Right now, our studio office have a big sign that say, intimacy without proximity is our slogan on social distancing. And I hope <laughs> we can take that off soon. Sincerely hope this is a lesson to the rest of the world. It's not just because the COVID-19 is over that you can be back to normal. I may not be right, but I feel what is happening to the world with this new strain of virus, with the fires in California burning out of hand right now, and wars burning out of hand in Australia, and with all the uh, major flooding it has everything to do with what we, in the last 50 to 100 years, have done to the world, and that is carbon emission. And what we should do now is to backtrack and to reduce. And there must be a reason and a way for our carbon consumption to everything we do, even though that pandemic, pandemic may be over. But it is time to wake up. Wow, Margaret, I'm so touched by your words again. That Bamboo Curtain Studio has been worked through with the artist through the past 30, almost 30 years. And now we're facing such a big impact in the global way. Um, I'm really thank you that um, you share so much insight with us how we can go through together, how we can connect people again, connect ourselves, connect the environment with this, our sincerity. Oh, I'm really happy that uh, I have the chance to express myself fully and be able to be understood, hopefully, by a wider audience. Uh, it is much better than having to write articles in magazines, uh, to a very limited local audience. Okay, thank you, Margaret. Thank you for bringing us such an in-depth discussions on connection and collaboration. Okay, uh, thank you again. Thank you and goodbye, everybody. Be happy, be healthy and be safe. Thank you, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Yipei. And I'm Annalie. Thanks for listening to Our Connect. Subscribe to Our Connect on Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Stay connected with us next time and stay well. Bye.